You're listening to the Word of Life AG Podcast. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. This week, Pastor Annie Bullard brought us a great message titled, Bitter Made Sweet. Let's check it out. Hey, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. That was amazing, right? That was so good. Um, One thing that I do want to say is just um, I want to acknowledge those that are in this space that Mother's Day kind of is a little bit of, uh, it's just tough to get through. For those that have lost a mom or maybe have a difficult relationship with their mom or those that are trying to be a mom or who have experienced loss as a mom, I would just want you to to know, um, I don't want to take the mood down, but I just want you to know that you are seen and that you are loved and that you are thought of today. So happy Mother's Day to everybody. Um, so yeah, t- I thought I could start out with a picture of my mom. Um, this is a picture of my mom, my fierce mom, when I was in my teen years. There's young Annie with fierce mama. And um, so I have the privilege every once in a while of having lunch with one of the Wilka kids, which I, I lo- those Wilka kids, they make my day when we're in, in chapel and I say, good morning, Wilka students. And they say, good morning, Pastor Annie. It just melts my heart. Love them. So I had lunch with one of the kids this past week, and they wanted to see a picture of me when I was younger. Well, I knew I had that picture available, so I pulled it up, and they said, wow. And I was like, oh. And they said, you were much prettier when you were younger. I was like, (laughs) that was one of the most hilarious things I have heard in a long time. Hilarious. Um, I couldn't get over it, and I thought, I'm probably promoting bad behavior, but that was so funny to me. Um, and then here's a picture of me with my family. I thought it would be appropriate to brag a little bit with my, my kids. This is at Mandy's uh, wedding. Um, it looks to me like it's straight out of Twilight, like this is the Cullen family, right? Um, but, but there's me with my kids, uh, my son-in-love, and my mom. So there we are. Everybody say, hi, Bullard family. And then I thought it was appropriate to share pictures of my grandkids because these guys are, um, we, well, my husband and I, we have to stay accountable when we do this, this game with them. It's called Taste Test. And so what we do is we, we stay accountable to each other because we really want to do bad things, really bad things. But the worst we've got is like Worcestershire sauce and hot sauce. So you can see this one of Gavin up there where he's just like, bah! that was Worcestershire sauce. So that you, they, they don't know what they're going to get. It could be honey. It could be jam. It could be mayonnaise. It could be tartar sauce. Sorry about you. So that is, those are my grands playing a taste test torture. Um, so much fun. So my message today um, is called Bitter Made Sweet. That's why I thought it'd be fun to share pictures of the grands with a taste test. And it's not really a message for mothers in particular, but I'm thinking it's something that we can all relate to. Everybody down with that? Yep, okay. So our scripture today is found in Exodus chapter 15. It's verses 22 through 26. This is just after the Lord set his people Israel free from the the oppressors in Egypt. Uh, They had been in bondage for 430 years. The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, would not let God's people go. Moses has gone before him. And so finally the Lord started to send plagues. It's an incredible story to read. um, But I swear Pharaoh must have had whiplash, needed a neck brace with all the times he said, okay, get out of here. Wait, no, you can't go. And so it was, it was quite ridiculous until the, finally the 10th plague came. Israel was set free. However, after 
Pharaoh set God's people free, he thought, what am I doing? These are our slaves. Let's go after them. So he, they, the, the Egyptians set out after the Israelites again, and then uh, they come to the Red Sea. And so here are God's people. Now, it was about 600,000 men, plus women, plus children, plus livestock. It was a lot of people. So they're at the Red Sea, you know, and then they look behind them, and there are, well, the word says there were 600 of the best chariots of Egypt, along with all the other chariots and the commanders on top of them coming after the Israelites. And so they were between a rock and a hard place, like literally. And then um, we come in to see that God comes through and parts the Red Sea. God's people walk through on dry ground, and then the Egyptians are closed in by a watery grave deliverance. And so in the beginning of chapter 15, we see there's a huge celebrating taking place. And Miriam is dancing like crazy. All of Israel is jumping for joy. The word says in verse 1, Moses and the people of Israel. So everybody, Moses and the people of Israel sang out this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has thrown both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. And then the praising goes on and on and on and on for 21 more verses. It's a good day. And then comes our bit of scripture. Exodus chapter 15 verses 22 through 26. And this is called bitter water made sweet. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Another bit of scripture, another version says, Must we die of thirst? like super dramatic. Um, And then Moses cries out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. And there the Lord made for them a statue and a rule. And there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for I am the Lord your healer. Let's pray. Father, we want to give you our attention this morning. I thank you, God, that your, your word is alive and well, a love letter to us to be able to learn how to live today in 2023. God, we give you our attention. We give you our hearts. We give you our thoughts. We pray against distraction. And we thank you, God, for the ways that you will speak to us personally, individually this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in a matter of three days... Everybody say, three days. Three days. That was kind of fun. Um, I think I'll do that again. Oh, so um, three days, God's people went from declaring, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds and doing wonders, to grumbling and complaining about Moses. Three days. What they had seen firsthand, and in three days, they were again grumbling because they couldn't drink out of this pond. And so... In a snip of time, they went from praising to three days later grumbling once again. So what does this have to do with us in 2023 on Mother's Day? Well, I think actually quite a bit. So we're going to look at this scripture, we're going to unpack it a bit, and we're going to look at two areas that I believe correlate to us today in 2023. The first point is we are fickle. We are fickle. I'll I'll own it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then the second point is... He is faithful. God is faithful. 
Yeah. I mean, if we're going to do it, let's make it a good one. <laughs> so we are fickle. He is faithful. I want to read to you uh, a definition of fickle. It's marked by erratic changeableness in affections or attachments. I want to read that one more time, and I want to think about how that applies to you. I know how it applies to me. Marked by erratic changeableness in affections or attachments. So does that sound familiar? I don't like it, but it does sound familiar to me. We're fickle and we're prone to wander. Three days. Things can go awry in a way that we don't find agreeable, and all of a sudden we're on, off our rockers wondering, where, God, are you? Where are you? And we begin to grumble, even against our leaders, forgetting that God's MO is faithful. God's MO is faithful. And I say this quite a bit. If you've heard me preach before, you've probably heard this, heard me say this. But it, I'm actually reminding myself of this every time that I have opportunity to preach it or declare it. And it's found in John chapter 16, verse 33. It's what Jesus said. He said, in this world you will have tribulation. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Now that word tribulation in the, word, in the Greek is the word thlipsis. And what it means is pressure, trouble, burdened, affliction. What Jesus was saying is in this world, it's going to take your breath away. This is the broken side. This side is going to have situations that is going to take our breath away. But he doesn't leave us there. He says to take heart. In the Greek, that means to take courage, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world which is really, really good news. I mean, sometimes it's going to take a minute. We're human, right? I mean, stuff happens. It's not like, oh, well, praise God, he's in charge. No, I mean, it's, we're human. We're going to, our breath is going to be taken away. But then we have a choice on where to take it from there. Sometimes it's going to be like our, my grandkids, expecting honey, but getting Worcestershire sauce. Life is going to cause us all to grimace at times. But here in Exodus, God's people had opportunity to turn to him in their disappointment or in their dilemma, but instead they chose to grumble. Now these people had witnessed the 10 plagues of Egypt. They'd been rescued from 400 plus years of slavery. All 600,000 plus Israelites had walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. They watched their enemies get swallowed up. And then three days later, instead of trusting God and turning to the one who redeemed them from slavery, they start to grumble and complain because they had no water to drink. They were firsthand witnesses to God's faithfulness and his deliverance, and they still chose to hone in on the problem. Does that sound familiar? God wants to teach us to turn to him in the midst of difficulty. God's people face the disappointment of bitter water, but what could that look like in our lives? What does that look like today in 2023? Well, I think when we're hurt by others or disgruntled with a situation or frustrated, when we think something is unjust or unfair, we get angry. And I'm not saying to ignore those very real feelings. Like feel, those feelings are there for a reason. We're not, but we're not to press into the anger. We're to press into, we're to invite God in. We're, we're to invite him in. The problem is when we let the anger at, at others or the frustration at our situation fester and build up in our hearts, then we can end up taking on bitterness and resentment. And often bitterness takes root and saps our joy it can steal away the goodness that life does have for us, that God provides for us on this side. It can paint a blue sky black, and it can hold you in bondage. So we can face bitterness in a couple different ways. Sometimes it's bitterness toward a situation, or it can be bitterness manufactured from hurt that is rooted in, in unforgiveness. Bitterness from unforgiveness hurts you far more than the person who originally hurt you. My friend Amy, 
She's here today. She had every right to hold the grudge, over and over again, in fact. Instead, Amy decided to punch bitterness in the face. Amy has a laugh that could cheer up the crustiest curmudgeon. I thought that was a good one. <laughs> Amy's been attending Word of Life with her family since 2015. Her daughters, Katie and Olivia, are here today as well. Hey, uh, and um, they're in Life Youth. They actually own a place in my heart. They're so precious. Um, but I, I thought we could hear from Amy today. So tech team, let's throw the video up there. Hi, my name is Amy. Our family moved up here. We were in Tennessee and Florida for a while, but I was born and raised in the area. Um, brought up in a broken home. My mom left when I was 12. My dad led us to believe that she was not a great person. And therefore I believed that for most of my life. Through the years, I always wanted my mom in my life. I heard from my, my pastor that I went to church down in Florida. He always spoke of having to give forgiveness and releasing yourself from that bondage. That is the best word to describe the bitterness that you have inside of you. And it wasn't until I would be diligent in petition of prayer to God to deliver me from that bondage, where then I was able to reconcile with my mom just 11 years ago and now have her in my life and then reconcile with my dad who I thought I would never be able to forgive in a million years and drive 1600 miles to his deathbed to make sure that he knew I would be by his side. And be the one that made sure that he accepted Jesus into his life. Forgiveness isn't about giving away anything to anybody else. Forgiveness is washing that bitterness away inside of you that only Jesus can do, that only God can do for you. And I am so grateful that God ever forgave me for all that I did wrong and allowed me to see that I can give forgiveness to others and get rid of my own bitterness as well. Yes, Amy. Yes, girl. And that's just a part of Amy's story. She had multiple times to be able to extend forgiveness. And she walks around able to be freed up today because of what she had done. The Mayo Clinic states that forgiveness can result in improved physical as well as emotional health, including less anxiety, less stress, less hostility, lower blood pressure, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, fewer symptoms of depression, and increased self-esteem, amongst other benefits. So how do we, as Amy put it, release ourselves from the bondage of bitterness, that forgiveness that washes away that bitterness inside of you? 
gospel. Amy alluded to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. It says this, Your heavenly Father will forgive you if you forgive those who sin against you. But if you refuse to forgive them, he will not forgive you. Yikes. That's a tough one to swallow, especially when bitterness tastes so sour. Ephesians 4.26 says, if you are angry, don't sin by nursing a grudge. Don't let the sin go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly. So sin separates us from God, and the Bible says that when we nurse a grudge, we are sinning. He even invites us into a timeline. He says, at the end of each day, let it go. Now I know, because I've had to forgive myself, that forgiveness is a process. But I think that that aim toward each and every day is inviting him in each and each and every day lord let me let this help me to let this go you've given me your holy spirit to give me strength from on high lord help me to let this go he gives us a timeline you know i sometimes i mean sometimes it feels good you kind of want to nurse that grudge for like six months or so right but i mean to what benefit to what benefit God is faithful to extend us that forgiveness each and every day. Now, when I get stuck in the past, I've gone and taken my burden to a counselor. Sometimes that happens. You know, I'm, I'm not a professional. And, you know, sometimes that bitterness, that anger can get us stuck. Get somewhere where God can give you new strategies. I learned new strategies, and I believe God led me to a counselor that led me to healthy strategies so I can get through bitterness so I can live in freedom. That's inviting him in. That's inviting him in. So how about that bitterness of circumstance? I called my mom fierce because it was just a few short years after the picture that I had showed that uh, was taken that we lost my brother to a traumatic death. Um, And it was a very real thing called grief. Grief is legit and it happens when there's loss of life, it happens when there's loss of hope, it happens when there's loss of expectation, and we have to navigate through that grief when we face bitter scenarios. I was actually cuter in that picture too. Um, Anyway. But my mom has said many times that to the depths of grief and despair that she had felt, God had restored her joy to the opposite end. So she had felt the despair of grief, and I walked that with her, and I certainly walked that despair and grief with her. But as we invited Christ in, and it was a journey. It wasn't like we woke up the next morning. It was a journey. Jesus said, this side can take our breath away. But we took heart because Jesus had overcome the world. We invited him in, and he changed everything. Yeah. So a scripture that's been very heavy on Pastor Tom's heart recently is uh, something that Jesus tells us. He says, come to me, all who are labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is Yes. The message version says it this way. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. So how do we recover our life? What are those unforced rhythms of grace? What are those non-heavies, that rest that will cause us to live at peace? That burden that we can feel is everything from the encumbrance of religion, which is a lack of relationship, to being weary of the world and of our own sin. Now the invitation itself is what matters. It's an invitation from Christ, come to me. Come to me, whether you're holding a grudge against somebody or whether your heart is tore up in grief. Come to me. Come to me. Trust me. Invite me in. 
Matthew Henry commentates it this way. I'm going to read it slowly because I have to read Matthew Henry very, very slowly because my brain can't absorb it all at once. So ready? He says this, that glorious display of Christ's greatness as Lord of all might frighten us from him. But see here how he holds out the golden scepter that we may touch the top of it and may live. Note, it is duty and interest of weary and heavy laden sinners to come to Jesus Christ, renouncing all those things which stand in opposition to him or in competition with him. We must accept of him as our physician and advocate and give up ourselves to his conduct and government, freely willing to be saved by him in his own way and upon his own terms. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. So what does that mean? Yield to Jesus and he will give you rest. How will that play out? I do not know. How would that play out in my life? I do not know. All I know is that by inviting him in, I'm certain that in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the grief, in the midst of discouragement, it will change things. It might not miraculously change the situation. I mean, it could. But I know that the miracle will come of peace, hope, and joy that I don't have when I'm honing in on the problem in front of me. What it's saying is, I trust you, God, you are enough for today and for all of my tomorrows. And the wonderful thing is that when we do this, we're never alone. God's word says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So when we're going through those trials and it seems extremely lonely, he will always be with us. In fact, sometimes I'll actually pretend I'm holding his hand. Nobody knows what I'm doing because I'd look like a psycho. But I just kind of pretend, I remind myself, he is there. He is right there with me if I invite him in. Those bitter waters that we mentioned stem, stem from the bitterness of a grudge or a life scenario can make our taste turn sour, our souls turn sour. So let's intentionally take our fickle hearts and choose to press into him. He is able to make bitter places sweet. And then our second point is God is faithful. This really is good news, especially when we look on the heels of our fickle flare-ups. So Exodus 10, or this is actually Exodus 14, verses 10 through 14. It's uh, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. They're on the edge of the, of the Red Sea, right? They look up and they see the army, their enemy's army coming against them. And uh, it's, they, it says, all, let's see, it says, the, Israel looked up and, the Israelites looked up and all there were, were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you, leave us alone in Egypt? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve Egyptians than to die in the desert. And then Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Be still. Be still, my friends. Be still. You know what that's like. When I read that, I can hear my own voice about my own situations. Like, Lord, where are you? Forgetting all the times that he had been there before in my past. Do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for you. You need to only be still. Psalm 46.10 declares it again. Be still and know that I am God. God is faithful. This world is broken, but God is faithful. What are you going to hone in on? What are you going to hone in on? 
So the Lord was demonstrating his power and his sufficient grace so that his people would trust him when they were in need, to rely on him alone. Instead, they came upon bitter waters and their fickle hearts went from praised to crazed in like 2.2 seconds. It can sound like me. Can it sound like you? Sounds familiar. I used to go to my grandma with heaviness that I was facing, and I would be like, okay, grandma, like, I'm trusting God, but like, what else can I do? What else am I supposed to do? And she'd say, Annie, God's in charge. I'd be like, mm, I know that. I know he's in charge, but what else can I do? And she'd be like, listen, that's the end of the story. God's in charge. And I knew what she meant. She wasn't saying, like, God is large and in charge, but what she was saying is, trust him. He is faithful. You can trust him. Trust his healing. Trust his timing. Trust his process. His ways are higher than your ways. We said that. He teaches us through his word. When's the last time you picked up the word? When's the last time you prayed about it? He's your vindicator. Trust him that he's your vindicator. Oh, someone needs to hear that today. Wow. He's your vindicator. He's in charge, and he will remain faithful. So there's two quotes that I found on faithfulness, and I thought, oh, these are good. Uh, the first one is from David Wilkerson. He was the founder of Teen Challenge and also the founding pastor of Times Square Church in New York City. And he says this, Our faith is not meant to get us out of a hard place or change our painful condition. Rather, it is meant to reveal God's faithfulness to us in the midst of our dire situation. We can get that twisted. Another great quote from Charles Spurgeon, uh, he was a preacher in the mid to late 1800s. He's known as the Prince of Preachers. He said, the glory of God's faithfulness is that no sin of ours has ever made him unfaithful. And I thought, you know, when I was putting this together, I thought, you have to say that twice because there's somebody sitting here, whether in this space or online, you need to know that. You have been unfaithful. But that doesn't negate God's faithfulness. The glory of God's faithfulness is that no sin of ours has ever made him unfaithful. Remember those Israelites when they were backed up against the Red Sea? You should have left him in Egypt. And then here comes God and saves the day. He wasn't like, oh, you know what I would have done? I would have been like, all right, well, why don't you go back and see how much you enjoy that? You know, I already sent 10 plagues. What else? You, think I, you know, I, he's not like man. He's not like man. Father God knows what's best, and he's trustworthy, even in the midst of people being people He is faithful. I think, hey. Thanks, I needed a sip of water. Um, all right. <laughs> so I think here's the sad thing, that sometimes um, instead of trusting him, we just get bent out of shape. We get impatient, we get antsy, we decide we want to do it our own way. And I just have a quick question. I have to ask myself sometimes, too, how's that working out for you? I mean, is it working out for you? God has the ability to make the bitter area sweet. And again, we can get it messed up. I've heard it so many times. If God is so good, then why does he allow X, Y, and Z? If he's so faithful, then why does he allow this to happen? I've questioned those areas myself. But here's the thing. How about this? God is so faithful and so good that he gave his one and only son to die for us while we were still sinners. I mean, I want to give up one of my kids for the most incredible person on earth. And while we were still seeped in sin, God sent his son to die for us. Jesus chose to go to the cross to take on the burden of our sin, to make a way so we could have a relationship with Father God while we were still sinners. How about that faithfulness? How about that being so good? I have to turn my mind to that sometimes. Instead of getting my eyes focused in and I can get overwhelmed with the things of life, I've had a weird three weeks. 
I needed to hear this message, okay? So I was preaching to myself. I'm like, okay, it hit me in the head, hit me between the eyes. I needed to hear this because I can hone in on the circumstance. It'll take my breath away. I'll be no good to my everyday life. Press into God. He has a plan. He's good. He's faithful. So trusting our faithful God with bitter waters takes us from receiving Jesus as our Savior to making him Lord over all areas of our life. I'm meeting with a woman currently who is looking to make Jesus Lord over every area of her life. She has done things her way for a while, and she's realizing that the tools in her tool belt are not the ones that she's going to need to build a solid foundation. Now, who knew that a log, a log could make water sweet? And this beauty is learning how to pick up God's tools, such as true forgiveness, such as taking her thoughts captive, such as trust, extending trust, forgiving herself, prayer, hope. She's rebuilding the foundation with the Lord, her, her life foundation. She's rebuilding. Instead of chaos, she's finding peace. And instead of bitter water, she's finding sweet. This friend of mine is choosing, choosing to use her free will to choose to submit to an outrageously loving God. Psalm 148 sums it, up, or sums it up how precious our God is. It says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. I am so thankful for that. I can choose to submit to that kind of beautiful love with my bitter waters. Or I can choose to reject it. It's offered to me, and I can take my free will and choose it. It's my free will. Free will is our own ability to choose the love that God gives freely. Or we can reject it. The choice is yours. Because without free will, there would not be true love. There would not be true love. And we'd just be marionette puppets, which would actually be really scary. Anyways, that was a joke. We'd be marionette puppets, and it would be scary. Okay. I'm not a really a good joke teller. All right, so back to our Exodus scripture. At Marah, the Lord was teaching his people truths that would save their soul. If they listened to his voice and yielded to his command, remember he said to them in Exodus, if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. These things that happened to Israel are a part of the Bible, a part of that love letter to us that is for our learning. They're in scripture to teach us how to live godly lives, to train us to trust God's word, to train us to listen to his leading and his guiding. They encourage us to trust the Lord with our whole heart and not lean on our own impickle, nope, imperfect and <laughs> How many peppers could Peter Piper pick? <laughs> Instead of taking our imperfect and fickle understanding we can invite him in and trust his ways. They point us to faithful Father God as our hope and our salvation. So, my friends, yes. We give it to you, Lord. We invite you in. So may we own humility and have a teachable spirit that is ready and willing to listen to his faithful voice, to trust his word and to obey his command, to do things that honor his name. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. Faithful Father continues to come alongside us even when we are fickle and even when we are unfaithful. And I keep driving that point home today because we forget as humans too. We have short-term memory loss sometimes. We have to remember how faithful our Father is.
It's interesting that the Lord showed Moses a tree in which his servant threw in the water to cause it to be healed of the bitter taste to become sweet. Now, it wasn't a magic tree that Moses tore up by the roots and shot into the water. It wasn't some weird sorcery show. It was a tree that turned bitterness into sweetness, and it was insight. It was insight into the wooden cross of Calvary, that wood that held the one who truly takes what is bitter and heals it. God was showing his people that in him, in Christ, the promised Messiah, that God is faithful to us. That kind of blew me away when I had that revelation over the past couple weeks. It was insight from the Old Testament to the New Testament to say, I'm going to bring one that will truly heal your bitter places. So back to our free will. Some of us are here this morning because we come every week. Yay. And some of us are here because mom said, you know, I would love for Mother's Day. <laughs> and you're like, nah. um, so maybe you're here because of that. But however you came here today, I want to offer all of us the opportunity, myself included, to choose to press into God's faithfulness in those bitter waters that we are facing. Uh, there's a, an art piece that Michelangelo had created. It's called The Creation of Adam, and it's on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. There it is. The creation of Adam, and I think it's an incredible depiction, picture of humanity and Father God. Father God reaching out in his faithfulness, and here we are just kind of, nah, I got it. I got it. I, I think I got this one on my own. Thanks for being there, though. Um, <laughs> that wasn't in my notes, and I wish I didn't do it. But I kind of feel creeped out at myself right now. But look at the hand on, on the right. Isn't that the, isn't that the truth? I look at that and I feel so sad because God, Father God is reaching out. He's offered the best of the best, his son. He's, I, 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 can, I can heal the situation. I can make your bitter water sweet. And I'm like, I think I got this one, God. So I think this is a good challenge for us today. Oh, there I am. Um, I think it's a good challenge for us today to remember that God is reaching down into your bitter place, into your circumstance, into your lack of forgiveness, and saying, let me join you and let me make those bitter waters sweet. I want to close off with some really good news found in Scripture regarding, to God's, regarding, regarding to God's faithfulness. Psalm 86.15 says this, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. I mentioned that a little while ago. He's slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Whether it's our best day or our worst day, that same faithful God reaches out in love and compassion toward us. And then in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He's right there. He's also close to us. When we come to him in the, in the middle of our issues and our hangups, he's there. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. But here's the thing, he's a gentleman. He doesn't barge in and say, let me bring you peace. How about some joy? Let me give you some hope. He's like, I'm here. I'm, I'm here, my daughter. I'm here, my son. Nah. Nah. He's faithful. He wants you to invite him in so he can bring the peace, the Prince of Peace, into your circumstance to make that bitter place sweet. 
And I love this one, Philippians 1.6. It says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. What that means is he's with you on the journey. He's with you on the journey. So today there's, you overcome and you've got victory. And then three days later, there's another bitter water. And you go, well, he was faithful before. He'll be faithful again. <laughs> okay. All right, God. Yes, you own the victory. Situation's not changing much, but I got peace. I got joy. I know you're going to come through, God. I know you're going to come through. Oh, my heart's overwhelmed. Oh, this is a really hard situation. Oh. Okay, God, I invite you in. It's a wrestle. We're human and we're weird. We forget. But God's there and he's faithful. And he wants you to invite him in to your life journey. Every single day to choose him. So, will you put your faith in this faithful God who takes life's bitterness and makes it sweet? I want to pray for us this morning. And I want to pray for those, maybe you've been here for 50 years. You come every week. That's great. But that is good. We're like family here. Or maybe you've just tuned in and you're li you've listened for the past 50 minutes. Wherever you are, if you're ready to make a commitment to use your free will to invite in his gentlemanly self into your bitter places. Now, this is different from making Jesus Savior over your life. We're going to have opportunity to do that a little later in the service today as you kind of chew on the word that you heard today. But what we're doing now is taking a moment to say, okay, I want to make you Lord Jesus, I want to make you Lord over this situation in my life that is bitter and it's causing me to be distraught. I'm overwhelmed. I invite you in. And if that's you, okay, I'm raising my hand. If that's you this morning, we're not going to do the closed eyes thing. We're going to say, Lord, I want to invite you into that bitter place because it's causing me to lose my breath for my everyday. I can't live with this in front of me. Thank you, my brothers and my sisters. We're not alone. It's a human condition. Life gets the best of us. It takes our breath away. But God is saying, I have another way. I don't know what your way is going to look like, but I do know that by inviting Christ in, you're going to have opportunity to have peace and joy and hope and be able to extend forgiveness. We can't do that stuff on our own. We need him. We're desperate for him. He gave us the cross so we could have victory, my friends. He's given us the cross so we can have victory. So he's reaching out to you today. Will you reach out to him with an outstretched arm and say, yes, God, I invite you in. I no longer want to be mamsy-pamsy about it. I want to reach out and invite you in to my brokenness. And thank you for your faithfulness. Father God, I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters that are here today. Each and every one of us, we are on the broken side. We're in this together. We need you, Lord. We cannot do this on our own. And for those that reached out their hand today, that reached out, stretched their arms out to you today. Day, Lord. I pray that you come in in power and that you show them victory, whether their situation changes or not, whether that individual makes a different decision or not, God, but you will make the decision because you are the King of glory. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the one that makes the bitter waters sweet. And we give it to you this morning, God. I pray for power from on high to bring new days and new victory in Jesus' name. Let it be, God. Let there be new days. Sweetness ahead, oh God, sweetness ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Woo, let it be, Lord. New days in Jesus' name. New days in Jesus' name. All right, prayer team, come on up. If you're here today, there have been people praying in the back for us. 
They're gonna come up to the front. We're gonna worship a bit more. And if you need to pray about something, maybe you wanna make a declaration, I'm choosing to make a bitter water sweet today. I've invited Christ in in a whole new way. Come on up and pray with them. I wanna end with two challenges. Maybe you're gonna think about it over the next few minutes in prayer. Maybe you will take it home with you this weekend, but here's the thing, here's the questions, the challenges. We are fickle. What are you gonna do about that? And God is faithful. What are you gonna do about that? 